all episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business. I'm Janice Berg-Leedy, and today I have with me a really interesting guest. His name is Sean Han, and he is the creator of The Awkward Networker. It basically documents his personal networking lessons with both a podcast and a blog. Sean also has a website that has been accessed by hundreds of thousands of people in 96 countries, and he has spent the past few years traveling across the country, speaking to different organizations, universities and businesses, helping tens of thousands of professionals enhance their networking skills and personal brands. Sean also published a book, That Was Awkward, Seven Secrets of an Awkward Networker, and it's quickly becoming a top seller on Amazon since being published November of last year. Welcome, Sean. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like a new man because I have new internet. I just upgraded my internet, so I'm coming in crystal clear. It's so exciting in this virtual world to have a uh, new, clear, reliable internet. Oh, my God. Beautiful. So okay. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. I'm Thank excited so to have you, and it looks so nice and sunny where you are. So, Sean, tell me a little bit about who Sean really is. Who, I, who am I? Who am I really? You know, I get on my uh, lay back on the leather couch. Uh, I guess it all started. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm a lifelong Philadelphian. I married my high school sweetheart. Awkward networker kind of came to be another identity that I had uh, about you know maybe four or five years ago now actually. Um, so I've been in business development at KPMG. I've been working at KPMG twelve years now. I actually started right out of college. And so my mm-hmm. first real awkward networking experience that I could point my finger to, I was volunteering at an event called Coaches Versus Cancer, my junior year of college, I'm sophomore junior year of college. And I came across this individual and he was like, he looked like he was the guy, you know, like the guy, everybody was trying to get 45 seconds of time with him. And hey, Jerry, I was in golf swing, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> sleazy, just trying to get some time with this guy. And I saw it, I was young, I saw that. But what I also noticed, and I've since refined this to really drive the point home. I was a little bit clunkier at the time, but I noticed that his significant other, his wife, was standing there. No one's talking to her. No one was approaching her. And they were all trying to get time with this main guy. And so long story short, I went up to his wife and uh, introduced myself, said hello, told her a couple of you know jokes and got to know her. I think my first thing I asked her, I said, so who are you wearing? Because it's like a really nice event and everybody was in like black tie uh, uh, attire. And she was like, what? I was like, I was like, who are you wearing? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. How to, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to say in these things. It's way too uh, high class for me. I'm not sure how to like start a conversation. And she started laughing. She's like, wow, that was, she's like, that was something else. I'm like, I, I didn't know what to say. Uh, about 15 minutes later, I could tell this guy looked over and was like, who is this kid that's entertaining my wife, right? All of that nonverbal communi- communication, all those cues of him looking over, trying to rub her lower back, her kind of looking around, rolling her eyes, looking bored. I felt that feeling. We've all felt that feeling of bringing mm-hmm. the plus one or being the guest and feeling like bored. Like, why are we here? It's brutal. And so I just came in and alleviated that situation for him inadvertently 
making a friend for life. And it uh, turns out he became one of my first real mentors. And he was, at the time, the office managing partner of KPMG in Philadelphia. He gave me his card. Long story short, I started at KPMG uh, after uh, graduating from LaSalle University. Uh, walked right into his office the first day uh, of work and was like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm here. We did it. Wait, wait, wait. Did you ask <laughs> him who he was wearing? So then, did you ask him who he was I wearing? At ask the time? him who he, who he was wearing. <laughs> You know, guys, we're so boring, man. We just have well, the tops, I think, you know, well, you listen, that's tops. like, you know what? That's like on the on the runway, right? When they do, they uh, have the Academy Awards and they ask the guys and it's, it's it cracks you up, right? right? In public accounting, there's not a lot of like silk velour, you know, suits. There's not a lot of uh, chances being taken with uh, attire. And you know, what's great is like, looking back at that moment was really one of the first things I teach a lot of young professionals, which is the most important person in the room is often the guest of the most important person in the room. Mm -hmm. If you can get that person locked into a little bit of a conversation, you know that that other person is going nowhere. And it's a very easy hack. And so that was one tip that I started teaching young professionals probably about four or five years ago, as well as a lot of the other tips and techniques that I had developed over time, a pretty decent tenure of constant networking. And then they said, you know, you should write a book with these, man. You got some good tips. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do it. And so I had my laptop. And I'm in bed one night and I'm like, all right. And I have that like blinking cursor on the Word doc. <laughs> I'm like, let's write this book, baby. That's so much info up there. Let it ride. Let's go. Let's write this book. And then I folded up my laptop. I'm like, I don't know how anyone writes a book. I have nothing. And so uh, over about six month time frame, I, I kept coming back to this idea. And then my wife ultimately had this idea of like, why don't you start like a blog or like just write articles and kind of just, just do little, you know, to take out little bits and pieces mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. one tip at a mm -hmm. time. So you don't mm -hmm. kind of overwhelm yourself. And so that's how Awkward Networker was born. Turned into the webcast, the podcast, uh, a lot of speaking events. I do a ton of speaking, a lot of trainings and, and webinars and workshops. Uh, and then ultimately, I got my, I fished my wish. I, ha I had written so much in piecemeal that I, when I put it all together, it took about a year to really refine everything and get some good through line. I suddenly had my book and all I had to do that's is just way to kind do of it. bits of pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's a good, great. yeah, it's a great lesson actually when people feel overwhelmed with anything right at work or anything else, instead of looking at the big piece, just start to pick away at it. And eventually I think you'll, you'll end up with your, your goal of your, your full end product. So I think it, you know, that can be applied to a lot of things, right? That's right. Yeah. Life is short, but it's also pretty long. And so yeah. if, you, if you kind yeah. of just chip away at it, you know, years add up and then you go, oh, wait, oh my gosh, I think I can actually achieve this yeah. goal in yeah. 2020, right? So just going back to your days in, in school, what was your major? Oh man. International economics was the major I landed on. I believe I still hold the record for most declared majors at LaSalle University with eight. <laughs> Imagine how clueless you have to be to not only just dabble in eight different vocations or eight, eight different academic uh, ideas, but to declare eight different majors, like this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and then like three weeks later being like, uh, I want to do something totally different. So I landed on international economics. I honestly never used it, not even a day. When I came out, my job that I had lined up was in uh, more international tax. So I had to really learn tax code very quickly. But again, for any of your younger listeners out there, one of the things I always say is Look, don't get too worked up in the academics. Obviously, you need some classical education for certain vocations, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. healthcare, um, you know, some science fields, uh, accounting, you know, real authentic accounting to get your CPA and stuff like that. 
But for the rest of us that are kind of out there, not really sure what we want to do, just make sure that you're always projecting this idea that look at what I've done. I learned quickly and I'm extremely dedicated. And mm -hmm. I said during my interviews, I said, look, I'm not your classic applicant. However, I'm going to tell you right now that what I've learned being the youngest of four is that from watching my brothers and sisters try to get jobs from 2004 to 2008 is that all you do when you come out of college in, in reality is de-learn everything you just learned and then relearn <laughs> it all particular to that industry or company or, or, or mm. geo. And so if you provide that message strongly and people have faith that you can learn quickly and be dedicated and someone that you would want to work with, I think that really supersedes most of the, you know, here are the curriculum that I had the last four years. Yeah, Sean, I want to I, I, thank you for talking to the those listeners that are just starting out and even some that are in the middle that somehow, I mean, there are a lot of people that have gotten halfway through the career and go, like, how did I end up here? I'm not even sure that's what I want to do because suddenly they woke up, right? It might have been their major or they that was the first job that they got and they needed some bucks, you know, whatever, whatever that was, right? Yeah. But I think that's a great point. Get the classic education as we talked about it. But as a professor myself, what I say to the students just starting out is think, okay, do not, you know, believe that when you're studying a class that you can memorize the book go in and just regurgitate it. Although there might be some basic intro classes that do that, but most professors and certainly employers don't want robots because guess mm -hmm. what? You can hire a robot today now too, right? <laughs> so they want people who can think, how do you take whatever that business challenges and, and put some innovation on it and think about it in a way that perhaps you know, it didn't exist before, right? Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and even for those mid-career professionals, right? I mean, I've had three career changes so far in 12 years. You know, I, I, the undecided part of my brain has never stopped, really. Mm -hmm. uh, it just manifests itself differently. So I started in international tax, moved over to business valuation, from business valuation to marketing, from marketing to sales and business development. So I've had to utilize different parts of my brain, you know, every three to five years. And one of the couple of the themes that I started to realize was to make that transition successful, A, the way you leave one room is how you enter another, right? And a mentor taught me that. And it was really important to me. I knew I wanted to leave these, these careers probably six to 12 months before I made that switch, right? Mm. So once you have that realization, for me, it was five years into my career, I realized I really wanted to make a change. My son was just born. We moved out of the suburbs. I'm starting to kind of reevaluate everything. I started my career during a recession. So for me, I felt like I had to just keep my head down for five years and prove out those people that, that put their, their name on my resume that they made the right decision. And now five years, I look around like, okay, man, I don't want to do this at all. <laughs> and so <laughs> what are the action steps to go figure out what I want to do? And then, you know, when I moved over to marketing, one of the things that made that easier is that I wasn't running away from what I was doing as much as I was running towards something else. Mm, One of the best like ways to like demonstrate that is to build relationships for that career path that you, that you want to switch to and create an environment in which they're pulling you over, right? And then ultimately at some point, the scales will tip and the forces pulling you over that are saying, we need Sean, Sean, I could train you, I could teach you. Janice, you gotta come over to the side. I have a niche right here for you that I think you could once that force is greater than the force trying to keep you, mm. it, it's almost like it happens overnight and mm -hmm. everyone's happy. No one's upset. All the politics remain kind of under the surface. 
and now you're happier. And it took six, right. 12, 18 months. Right. Of course, the- of course, because you put your time in. So that's, so that's a, this is a great segue to uh, a question that I always have, which is around one to two things that you've learned about business success. Um, you know, when you introduce yourself, you know, you don't always have to start with what you do for a living. Like you can yeah. introduce yourself and talk about something else. Like what are yes. those other things? You don't have to always define yourself with what your occupation is, what your vocation is, what company you represent. Like that could be later. And it's okay if, if in this moment, that is not the thing that defines you. So that's a pretty big thing for me. And I feel like in this virtual world, it's a good reminder for a lot of people that we aren't just glued to our inboxes. We can go out and create new things and do different things. I would say the other thing that I've kind of experienced a lot lately or, or have really appreciated lately is I mentioned mentor probably like I don't know, 15 times so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a lot of mentors throughout the years and they've created me. Like they have created my success. Some of them have helped me with speech and language, right? Helping me articulate better, be a better presenter, help me, you know, emotionally, mentally, all that stuff. What I had come to realize recently is that as much as I like the idea of giving back to people that are younger than me and and providing and being a mentor for others, I didn't realize how much I was not providing the proper ROI to these mentors. And by that, I mean, I was trying to think of what I could do in return for these people. Mm -hmm. And all they really need, I've come to realize, is just to know that they're helping me and that I'm paying it back. I I struggled with that first one. And maybe that's something of just me, but I kind of just took it for granted and I would call them and they would answer Mm -hmm. and I would ask them for something and they would help me. And I would say, thank you. But there was never like a, Hey, by the way, if you have five minutes, I want to talk to you about those three things that you told me to do. I did them and they've been successful. And I want to like celebrate with you. And I'm starting to realize that that creates such a stronger bond between me and my mentors and my coaches than ever before. It does. And, and Sean, I'll actually say thank you for that because one of the things that I did more recently was um, for a gentleman by the name of Chris Goodman, who I believe you know, yeah. Chris was on the program and he has been my mentor for more years than we will share. And I said to him, this is my way of paying back publicly by being able to really host him on the show was amazing. And be able to just share that and say, you really helped me. You made a difference in my life because, and, and I would say to anybody, you know, who's had a mentor, someone who's helped them along the way, maybe it's officially, unofficially, don't wait because I, unfortunately, not to make it sad, I have a mentor who's no longer here. And mm-hmm. I wish that I had said it more explicitly. Mm-hmm. I think that she knew But being able to just literally, like you said, really take the time because they've taken the time with you and say that. And I also like the fact that you're talking about, you know, the the next generation coming up, which is a big part of this program, which is how do we take as we are, you know, moving forward, we've had other people help us. Let's not forget to help the next generation coming up. So, so thank you for that. And thank you for pointing it out. I think it's a great tip. So in your journey so far, because you have lots more to do, certainly, but was there anything you would have done differently? There's always little odds and ends I would have done differently, right? And I would be, um, 
I would be a hypocrite if I just said, as long as you have a dollar in your pocket and a smile on your face, every decision you made in the past has been the right one. And then said, mm -hmm. oh, I have some huge, huge things I did wrong, right? Like <laughs> I don't dwell on that kind of stuff. And I mm -hmm. think that's out of design. However, if I look back, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of lessons I've learned. Um, one of the ones I always point to is Sports Networker, which was like a, a spinoff brand I tried to develop where I was trying to help uh, people that uh, don't follow sports give them just the gist of what they need to understand about sports mm -hmm. but like I had a backwards hat I like had a beer sponsor for every one of like my video uh, <laughs> video podcasts it was just so cheesy and I look back at it and I like cringe when I see those things I left them on there as a reminder of like what it's like when you know a brand goes awry but it was a cool reminder because I tried something and this is what I, I use this as an example for people yes. that are too afraid to try it's like you tried something and guess what happened my base my followers my people that represent my brand pulled me back and I think mm -hmm. I beat myself up over it a little bit like I, I had spent a lot of time trying to build this you know uh, the spin-off brand and it was failing miserably and I still was trying to stick with it because I don't like the fact that I have to say this was a complete mm -hmm. disaster, mm -hmm. but the fact that my audience is pulling me back, like, hey, you're losing sight of who your core brand is, like, it's us, and you're right. doing something else. It's weird to come back to us, mm -hmm. and uh, it was really cool to see, like, oh, I created a brand that is unique, and when I veer, they're pulling me back, which means they must kind of care, and so that was like almost like a I wrote that off like, wow, what a failed experiment. But also I'm glad I did that because now I feel even more empowered that I have a brand or, or a following that truly mm -hmm. enjoys me just being the awkward networker and not sports networker or any of the other spinoffs I had planned. <laughs> so that was um, a lesson learned that, that I think really helps. That I think really helped me yeah, in my brand creation. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we all learn and then, you know, make sure that we just take note of it. Right. So that, we learn new things. We don't repeat the old things. So. Exactly. They're still out there. You just Google sports networker. Oh, my oh God. now we're all going to go take a look oh, yeah. at that one. Backwards yeah. Phillies hat. Like, yeah, what's up? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Next sports networker. Yo, crazy weekend. Like, oh, and the God. voices, too. Those are special. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a great opening because we go into fun facts. And one of my first questions is going to be your favorite book. <laughs> my favorite book. Um, right now I, um, I, so I listen to books. I'm just going to be one of those. I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't read a book in a little bit. I do a lot of audiobooks um, because I'm always doing some sort of household chore. And so for me, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that. Like I just listen to on audible mm -hmm. um, sapiens was a really good one. <clears throat> I enjoyed that. I like some of the kind of the history of that and, and just like how small we are and in, in a very, you know, expansive history and future. It was very cool and enlightening really into World War II books as well. Uh, there's a couple World War II books that I recommend. I actually read one of them, To End All Wars. That was a really good one as well. I, I think it's um, just a, a crazy, strange era, World War II and, and even World War I. And it just seemed so recent, but so long ago. And I don't have anyone in my life that I can bounce those things off of anymore, right? So it's, right. Uh, it's the most recent history, wh which I can't like, verify with people that were there it's very strange and so i just find that very interesting and i consume a lot of my day with business stuff and brand stuff right. and uh you know networking and and all that and so while i find that very interesting people are like oh so like what's your favorite sales book or something i'm like i, I don't 
I don't do that. I, I like to read or listen to books to, to kind of tap out of what I do all day. Right, right. It's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. Which is a weird thing to say too, when I'm also talking about this book I just published. Okay. I was waiting for you to, to give a little promo for that as your favorite book. It is my favorite a lot book. Of, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pride there. You know, what's funny too, Janice, and you'll appreciate this. Like I've been working on this book for years and I was so thrilled that in 2020, when things seemed to be shuddering, that I was creating something. So this book, as I was publishing it, the, the, the person that, that's helping me publish it, he was like, so we're really gonna have to put a spin on this because it's all about meeting people and being at networking events and sitting down at a dinner with colleagues and, and you know, uh, being able to influence people in person. And so he's like, we're kind of like in this lockdown thing. So I don't know how this is going to apply. And which was what was cool is after all the vaccines and stuff are coming out, I'm now positioning my book as saying, I'm realizing a lot of the people I talk to are starting to get very nervous as they go out and meet people again. Right. It's been over a year since they actually had that experience. And there's a lot of rust that builds up when you aren't interacting mm -hmm. with people mm -hmm. on the fly in person. Right. All of those awkward situations belie themselves very easily, very quickly. And so what this book is, it's 122 pages. You'll read it in an hour and a half, two hours. You know, I didn't do any case studies. There isn't 15 examples of how someone achieved their goals by networking. It's just straight up tips, techniques, a couple of anecdotes to make it come to life and make it fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gives everybody everything that they need to just put that book down and have the confidence and the tips and the techniques to go into any situation, walk into any room and influence people and network. Excellent. Favorite city? Philadelphia, I have to say. I, I was, I'm, I, I'm you a didn't say, yeah, if you didn't say Philly, I was holding my <laughs> breath here. I got the Philly accent too. I grew up in South Jersey. So there you go. There you go. That's well, it. I mean, yeah. And it comes it, out thicker when I talk to fellow Philadelphians. There is time, there are times where um, I can't talk to like some of my lifelong friends before I'm going to go going to do a presentation, like a national presentation, or if I'm going to fly somewhere and do it because the accent's it's, so thick it's I, thick. and I can't get rid of it. I have to talk to like Midwesterners and stuff like that, just to kind of remember right? how to articulate you, again. You, and, yeah. The ear does definitely uh, get adjusted, right? Yes, Very yes. rapidly to that. And favorite food. Oh God, I'm pretty big. You know what? You give me good fries, good French fries. I'll eat whatever else you're going to give me. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure our listeners want to get in touch with you and learn more. And that was some great little tips and teasers there. How can they find you? So awkwardnetworker.com is my mm -hmm. website. You can go on there and get all the info. And I have a lot of, if you subscribe, there's a lot of, you know, my APQ prep guide and a couple other uh, fun little freebies that I, I hand out as we, uh, as people subscribe. Or you can email me directly, sean at awkwardnetworker.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, just Sean Hand. You can find me there. And I'm also on Instagram at Awkward Networker. Those are my main uh, avenues. Fantastic, Sean. This has been so fun. And like you said, we, we laughed a lot. And that's part of the whole objective here is hopefully our listeners will have uh, laughed along with us and maybe picked up a couple of tips. And that's what we're all about. So, I hope so. Yeah. So thanks again and have a great day, everyone. And thanks again for listening to It's Great Business. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn, 
at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.